The Pod Warriors are back. For the first time in a long time, we are recording a Pod Warriors episode. This one is going to be all about Halloween Havoc. That uh, that track you guys heard right there, that was the intro music to the first ever Halloween Havoc way back in 1989. We're going to go through every single event WCW put on. But first, let me introduce my main man, the other half of the Pod Warriors, Jordan. What's going on, dude? And you ain't shitting. It's been a long time since we did one of these. We we just looked at it before we started recording. It's been three months since we did a Pod Warriors. Um, we haven't been missing in action, though. Obviously, we've done the goal line and stuff since then. But yeah, man, it's been a long time since we done with these. People probably thought we were we were just done with this. It was just over after <laughs> nineteen episodes. If we had uh, OG Fig Kid come on for San Diego Comic Con and we just peaked, man, it could never go anywhere. It could never get any higher from there. It just dies after that. Once you have a 70 year old man on here, the show just dies. <laughs> yeah, he actually killed us off, dude. It was like when uh, it was like when David Arquette won the world championship in WCW. But now, yeah, like I said, we've been busy doing the goal line. So me and Jordan have still kind of been scratching that podcasting itch. So it, I was actually surprised to realize it had been three months. But, you know, we've always said that the Pod Warriors is like the like the HBO prestige drama of the uh, of the Chick-fil-A show feeds. So, you know, sometimes HBO would go a year and a half between seasons on shit like The Sopranos and Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's a. Uh... We're not here just to put out episodes, just to put them out. We, we we make sure we study up on these topics, and we want to put out good quality content for you. We don't want to just be like every other podcast and just throw some shit at the wall and hope it sticks. We we want to make sure these are special. So don't be mad at us. We're, we'll get it rolling again. We just <laughs> life's busy, man. We we the last time we recorded was July, and man, a- after summer gets over and school gets back in, it's just busy all, all, all the, the activities. Time. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, the uh, yeah Jordan's actually got us kind of sketched out. Uh, damn, it's basically like a whole season worth of episodes, man, with some of the concepts that uh, he come up with for us to do. And yeah, not to go too much into detail because some of the some of the half baked ones that we had before are gonna actually end up being released. But there's no shit been times where like we've gotten to the point of having like a format done and kind of having this thing like fish boned out what we're going to do for an episode. And, you know, a day or two ahead of time, just both of us kind of mutually decide like, you know what, this one's not quite ready for, for prime time, man. We got to, got to let it marinate a little bit longer and, and come up with a, a, a way to present the stuff that's really going to make it hit. So yeah, we are dedicated to, uh, to just giving you guys something special because these are, it's not a regular thing. So we want to make sure if we're throwing something out with the pod warriors uh, name on it, that, that it connects and with that in mind, this week we are going to be talking about Halloween Havoc. I think, you know, you can go back and forth. Eric Bischoff has said that it was kind of their biggest show, It and Bash at the Beach. I think the traditionalists always think Starcade um, was WCW's biggest show. But I think between this, Bash at the Beach, and Starcade, that was kind of their their big three. Uh, in your mind, what, what do you think was, was WCW's premier pay-per-view? So... I, I, it's hard to disagree with Starcade and uh, Bash at the Beach just because of how big those were. I I always liked Great American Bash too. I felt like they put on good shows. Um, Halloween Havoc is just always going to be my favorite, though. I mean, this is my favorite time of year. The the sets and stuff we'll go into. It, it just always seemed like they put max effort into these shows. I mean. Yeah, Starcade always had max effort as well, but I, I just I felt like they they made so much effort to make these shows look cool, um, just all the presentation and everything around them. So yeah, I'd probably agree with you on the big three. Like I said, I liked uh, I liked Great American Bash, and I also really liked um, Hog Wild. I thought that was like one of the coolest Hog concepts cool. ever. I just yeah. 
I, I just think that the as usual WCW they they didn't quite execute the way they should have. It just it was just lacking something. I don't I don't know what it was, but it just always seems like they were lacking and they had great ideas. It just they could never deliver. Yeah, exactly. It seemed like they were always could kind of get it like ninety five percent right, but there was always something that was either just a little bit off or a little bit hokey on damn near everything WCW tried to do, even when they were on top. Yeah, I mean. When when we had the Monday Night Wars, like it's no joke, they were neck and neck, and what eventually killed it is WCW's lack of producing just quality content every week. It just it went downhill so fast, and that was when WWE was on the rise. So it really it, it speaks to. I mean, we've talked about WCW a lot on these Pod Warriors episodes, so I mean, obviously we like it. Um, it's just. A lot of the times, it just didn't live up to the hype. Yeah, definitely. I like. I love WCW, man. It was, you know, the NWO days were cool too. But I really love like late eighties, early nineties yeah. WCW. Some of that stuff is really fun. And we're gonna get into all that. We're gonna go through all of the WCW produced events and then answer some listener mail at the end. Um, do want to remind you guys use code Chick Foley to save ten percent at Ringside Collectibles for any wrestling figure purchases. And with that out of the way, I think we're ready to get into it, man. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so starting way back, 1989, the original Halloween Havoc. So this took place in Philadelphia at the Civic Center, had an attendance of 7,300. Quick disclaimer, all my attendance numbers, whatever was on Wikipedia is what I went with. I'm sure Dave Meltzer will, you know, depending on the year, either say it was, you know, 650 people higher or 700 people lower, but... We went just to keep it, you know, keep it uniform. We went with Wikipedia for the number. Uh, the tagline for this show was settling the score. Um, not a whole lot of Halloween theme, really, man. There's uh, it, it had some some kind of cheesy graphics to start off with. The, that song you guys heard at the start of the episode. Um, no special set or anything that would end up being what was so Halloween Havoc was so well known for. Um, yeah. What what memories do you have from this show, Jordan? Um, also we got to note this was an NWA show. This was presented by NWA. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is an interesting one. Um, I don't have a ton of memories of this. Obviously I remember the main event. Um, I remember the road warriors wrestling on this, but that's, that's really it. This is like not a, I mean, it's not a fantastic show by any means. So, um, it's just kind of there. Like you said, no special set, nothing really sets this apart from everything else. It does have a bitchin' poster. It's the the Road Warriors with the black shoulder pads in front of a jack-o'-lantern. So the poster is really, really cool, and it's still got a great logo. So whoever was doing their graphic graphic design back in the day was knocking it out of the park. But, yeah, the only, the only match of note from this show that I would tell anybody to go back and watch is that main event, the Thunderdome cage match. If you... If you dig back in the archives, uh, we've done a watch along episode for this specific match. I think that was 2021. We were doing some a series of Halloween Havoc watch along, so uh, you can find it. But this is going to be a babyface Ric Flair teaming with Sting to take on Terry Funk and the Great Muda inside the Thunderdome cage. Yeah, the the Thunderdome cage concept was absolutely awesome. Did did it always deliver? Or did they always do it properly? No, but I mean. It, this is gotta remember this is 1989 like dude look at how cool this is for 1989 i mean the coolest thing we've got to this point was a blue steel cage so like dude this is innovative <laughs> man like definitely innovative again here's where we get into the thing of 
WCW had great ideas. Did they always execute them? Absolutely not. But the ideas were there, man. This idea was great. So this thing is basically like a a mix between a regular steel cage, the elimination chamber, and like hell in the cell. It, it actually goes around the outside of the cage, so you could still fight at ringside. The top of it angles in, and then it's wired up with like you know, quote unquote, explosives and electricity <laughs> and pyro and stuff at the top of it. Um, and they had some like cargo netting and stuff like army style cargo netting around the top that I think ends up actually catching on fire at yep. one point in the match. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's definitely the takeaway of this match is when it catches on fire. Uh, and for some reason, they had like ropes you could swing from. Sting's got a spot where he like swings from the rope like freaking Tarzan. Um it's kind of batshit crazy, but it is a fun match, dude. Was there ever another Thunderdome cage match? Not that I can think of. I don't of, think man. there was, I don't man. think we're so gonna, either. I think we're this gonna was see a one this structure done. reused again in a couple years, but I can't remember there being another I think this was a one and done, which is weird because it was a it is a pretty badass match. And it, it like you said, it looks super impressive. If you just Google image Halloween Havoc Thunderdome, it's very cool. Um yeah, it's absolutely awesome, but yeah, it's just like I said, dude, another one of those things, like great concept, just never could execute it properly. Um, and I don't think it helped that the cloth on top of it started on fire. That pretty much killed this, I, I would think. <laughs> the uh, how, Who do you think was the WCW mark working in WWE during 2020 that when they came up with their, their revamped pandemic presentation, decided to call it the Thunderdome? I mean, that's a great question, and only one that you would know the answer to. It's got to be Triple H, man. I know Triple H is a big fan of all things NWA and, and WCW, so yeah, maybe it was him, man. But yeah, that's uh, like I said, go out of your way to watch this one. It is a really fun match and one and done as far as that gimmick goes, which is surprising because it is pretty cool. Any other uh, closing thoughts on Halloween Havoc 1989? No, man, it's just uh, the start of everything Halloween Havoc, so got to talk about it. All right, so 90, we're heading to Chicago. We have an attendance of 8,000, so attendance is up a little bit this year. Catchphrase this time is Terror Rules the Ring with the main event of uh, Sting versus Sid Vicious for the WCW Championship. We're getting there with the set, all right? You got a little bit of jack-o'-lanterns and stuff, and, and the main the main part of the stage is the giant WCW logo with a WCW jack-o'-lantern on the inside of it. So the stage is growing uh ever so you know ever so slowly this is another one match show you know as so so often with nwa and wcw if it it ends up being you know a sting or a rick flair match being the one that you're writing home about um and that was the case this year too do you remember the gimmicky finish of sting and sid vicious in this one jordan i sort of recall it but i mean not not incredibly well i don't retain things as well as you do i'll refresh you guys memory so sid vicious is fighting against sting um we see, you know, there's not any real close-up shots of Sting. Sting looks a little bit off. Like, man, like, Sting looks a little bit taller and a little bit, you know, a little bit less muscular than than we remember. But in a short match, Sid Vicious pins Sting to seemingly win the WCW championship. And suddenly, in something that could only happen in WCW, the real Sting comes stumbling out from the back. He had been attacked by the Four Horsemen. Before the main event, you know, he beats Barry Windham's ass and then comes back and ends up beating Sid and retaining the championship. It's just, it's like something out of a freaking Scooby-Doo episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I do remember that now that you just said that. Yeah, it's, again, WCW. 
God. This isn't a one-match show, though. You got, you got to remember, dude, Stan Hansen ended Luger's 523-day reign as United States heavyweight champion. So, I mean, that is a big thing that happened on the show. Is it a great match? Absolutely not, but still kind of meaningful in the, the long run. I barely, I do have no recall of that whatsoever, man. I, for, I forget about Stan Hansen even really being around WCW at this time. Yeah, I mean... Dude, it's 1990, so I mean, we're, we're not going to remember a lot of this. <laughs> I'm sending this to Jordan right now. Again, we'll kind of give you guys some visual prompts because we are hitting the Wayback Machine. If you just Google image search Barry Wyndham Sting, it'll come up, and it's almost kind of nightmare fuel. Look at that picture I sent. I mean, it's, it looks close enough to, like I said, it wasn't super obvious no, um, that it wasn't the real Sting. I, that that picture's after some of the paints wore off a little bit, but... But yeah, it, I mean, in a way, it's kind of surprising that he looked as close as he did to the real Sting, huh? Yeah, I mean, they did a good job with it, but good God, that picture is absolutely awful. Yeah, it's just, it's like one of those ones, like you can't really explain it. Just something about it just throws you off, dude. It ain't good. Uh, crawling feeling. Yeah, it's not good. All right, let's go to 1991. We are in my uh, my current home state, Chattanooga, Tennessee. You got attendance of 8,900. This is a good one. This is kind of when we're really starting to get into our, uh, you know, the, the Halloween habits that I remember and love. 89 and 90 were kind of like, they were kind of like little appetizers if you want to do a little Halloween Havoc uh, marathon. Now we're getting into the real meat of the meal. So this is in Chattanooga. The uh, the catchphrase for this one is an evening of terrifying destruction. And we're going to play a quick sound clip for you just to let you know why that, that tagline was so appropriate for this event. The crowd here going crazy of Halloween Havoc. Texas Jack, he thinks Steiner's in there, but it's Abdullah. Cactus Jack thought it was Rick Steiner, but Abdullah, my gosh. Think about what he's experiencing. He's getting cooked. And I think he's well done, guys. <laughs> the freaking chamber of horrors match man tell what what is what pops into mind what's some you just kind of hit us with some some stream of uh consciousness thoughts on the the chamber of horrors match jordan well the first thing that pops into mind is when uh mick foley or cactus jack's climbing the cage and the switch keeps falling down like it, it keeps going down and he has to keep pushing it back up. i know at one point i think a ref tries to like duct tape it up and it's just <laughs> Yeah. This, Again, yeah. like we said, the, the ideas are always there, but the execution is just like community theater. Level. I think this one blows my mind most because El Gigante was in this match and like they were trying to put him off as a big thing at this time. Absolutely horrible. I just this match is not good. Just just so we're all clear here. This is not a good match. We reviewed this on one of those Patreon episodes, too. And I think we ended up releasing all those on the mainstream. This is another one. If you go back and look, you can find this on uh, in the archives as a watch along. I mean, it has good people in it, but the overall match itself is absolute dog shit, mainly because what we just talked about, the switch kept falling down. Yeah, it's so this is Chamber of Horrors match. It's a it's a four on four steel cage match. Um and the only way to win is to get your opponent into an electric chair in the center of the ring and then set the electric chair off and yeah, in their defense, the pyro at the end was pretty cool. I thought the pyro on Ab- Abdullah kind of delivered. It was it was miles better than you know the the Moxley Kenny Omega exploding death match. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you there. It was definitely better than that, but that ain't saying much. 
Yeah, that's a low bar. But no, I thought I thought the ending for as hokey as it was, I, if I was a fan in attendance, I would have been like, OK, I feel like I got my money's worth out of that. But let, let's talk about the, the real meat of this show. The fact that we had uh, strongman Bill Kazmaier against Oz, who is also known as Kevin Nash. Like, let's talk about the fact that that actually happened on here and Bill Kazmaier won. yeah kevin nash did not have a very auspicious start in wcw so here's something interesting man speaking of kevin nash the so i'm looking at the original poster for this show up on top it's got lex luger against ron simmons you know the wcw championship match um but then it's got the chamber of horrors basically presented as the co-main event four on four the face team is there sting el gigante um and the steiner brothers so listen to this, man. The, basically, the entire heel team was switched out between the time this promotional poster was released and the time of the event. So on the on there, it's got the Diamond Stud, a.k.a. Scott Hall, who was in the match. But then it's got for his uh, partners, Oz, the previously talked about, Barry Windham, and One Man Gang, who I don't even remember being in WCW during this time. Obviously, Oz got bumped out of the match. They end up pretty much upgrading everybody. It ends up being um, Abdul the Butcher, Cactus Jack, and Big Van Vader. Well, along with Scott Hall, that's a pretty badass team. I mean, there's some serious freaking talent in this match. I'm I'm with you. I do not remember one man gang being in WCW at this point, but you are exactly right. They definitely upgraded that team by a lot. I mean, really, this match, dude, like it'd be hard to put together a more star studded four on four. Everybody except El Gigante is in the Hall of Fame from that that was in that match. And I don't know. I got a soft spot for it. It is stupid. Like the, you know, Cactus Jack climbing up and being in position. And the he was supposed to be like he was like, you know, showboating for the fans before he pulled the lever. But it took so long for Rick Steiner to get Abdul in there that. It's just it, it it breaks all suspension of disbelief, man. Um, they just they should have come up with a, a more organic way to get to the ending of that match. Uh, one thing to note, though, they've got an, an additional use out of the Thunderdome cage. So if you look, this is the same um, cage that they used from the Thunderdome. It goes around the outside of the ring, and then it angles up at the uh, at the top of it. It angles inward to kind of just enclose everybody, but. I guess I don't know if they thought it would look cooler or if they didn't want it to be so obvious they were reusing it. If you look, they have spray painted it black yeah. for this event. And I have been I am of the belief that they spray painted it less than like 12 hours before the show because it if you watch off. that match again, the guys are getting black shit all over them, dude. Like I remember whenever we watched it um for that watch along, I'd, I'd watched it, I think the day before to just kind of prep and, you know, get my thoughts together. And I kept seeing like, dude, where does this black stuff all over all the wrestlers? I was, you know, there's nobody that really had face paint on besides Sting and it was on everybody. And then that's when I realized, cause you could see it start like the, it, it still looks wet um, from where they painted it. So yeah, just again, just w, early nineties, WCW in a nutshell. Got that wop, that wet ass paint. <laughs> yeah, they need a wet paint sign on there. Um, so we do start to get some good classic Halloween Havoc stage design. It does look like something. I mean, I sent you the picture uh, way back when we were doing the research. I sent it to you again, Jordan. So no, you I got, got it. it nice I got and handy. It. Yeah, I got it. Okay, yeah. So it looks like something. It definitely looks like something out of, again, community theater, right? It looks like something from like a high school play the kids would draw. But it's cool, man. It's got like, you know, like a spray painted uh, backdrop of a haunted house. You got some. Um, you got some gravestones with the typical, like, you know, puns like you'd see in somebody's front yard. I kind of dig this stage. 
my favorite part about it is the the little bit of pyro that's coming out of the WCW sign above the door just really sets it off, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, man. The other big gimmick on this show um, was the reveal of the Halloween Phantom. There was, was this guy who had been taunt, like terrorizing the the baby faces of WCW for a few weeks and ends up being how they debut Ravishing Recruit. Solid. Real solid. Yeah, not the... Not the greatest way to bring him in, but I did like the new, like, meaner, tougher presentation he had as opposed to just being, like, the the pretty boy he was in WWF. They did give him a little bit more character in WCW. I'll give him that. He was definitely a little bit more edgy than he was in WWE, but there really ain't much else to say about it, is there? No. Um, Another hidden gem on here, Steve Austin versus Dustin Rhodes, which is crazy. You think Dustin Rhodes is still pretty damn active in the wrestling scene nowadays. But uh, him and Steve Austin have a really, really good match in the mid card of the show. This match, I do recall. This was a really good match. I'm glad we we definitely brought this one up on here because it's it's worth the watch. All right. Anything else on Halloween Havoc 91? No, I think that's it, man. So we will go to 92, which features one of the worst main events you're ever going to see on a major pay-per-view. Uh, we're back in Philly. Attendance of 7,000. And the iconic concept, the the uh, the the tagline for this show: "Spin the wheel, make the deal." I mean, how cool was that when they first unveiled this when we were kids? Again, WCW had the right minds in charge of like coming up with gimmicks. This is absolutely incredible. This is still one of my favorite things to this day. Yeah, I remember being so hyped up, like seeing all the WCW Saturday nights on the way to this event. Just you know, just being enchanted, thinking. What are they what are they gonna come up with, man? I mean, so the list is, you know, it sounds like some of the most badass matches you could have. Texas Bull Rope, Spinner's Choice, Russian Chain Match, the Dog Collar Match, I Quit, Barbed Wire, Cage, Lumberjacks, freaking Prince of Darkness, which I didn't even know what that was at the time, but I was like, dude, that sounds freaking amazing. Texas Death Match, the Coal Miner's Glove, and First Blood. Now all those sound awesome except for the Coal Miner's Glove match. Which one did Cactus or which one did Sting and Jake Roberts end up landing on? The worst one, coal miner's glove. I just the coal how, miner's dude, glove. How do you do this and not rig it to be like one of the most badass matches ever? A coal miner's glove match, really? Like again, I didn't even know coal miners were. That's not even like a. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, are coal miners gloves really that freaking badass? I don't know. We need a coal miner to write. If you're a coal miner or know a coal miner, have them write in. We need to know what's up with this. But yeah, so Tony Schiavone swears up and down that they did that wheel for a shoot and they were ready to do any match that came up, which I mean, I guess that would explain it a little bit how they ended up having that happen. But why would you let that be a shoot? Why would you not gimmick that wheel to have it land on, you know, the anything dude, freaking barbed wire match or I quit match, you know? Yeah. You, you needed this to hit and be good. And instead, like you just said, it it might, it might be the worst main event ever. I don't even think it's, it's a maybe, I think it is the worst main event ever. It's so bad. Yeah, I hate, I mean, it ain't so much about the coal miner's glove. That's lame already, but any, I I always hate the pole match gimmick, dude. It's just, it just, it's never, I I mean, has there been a good on a pole match? Uh, I would, oh no, that was a forklift with Judy Bagwell. Uh, (laughs) Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's what gets mentioned is like this, this and the Judy Bagwell match get mentioned is for when you start bringing up like the worst gimmick matches ever created. I mean, yeah, I don't ever recall a good one. Pink slip on a pole. Yeah, they're never good. 
It's just not good, man. The uh, and this one's made worse, dude. Like if you look at the pictures from this, like the pool is like gigantic, dude. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like I would have been scared shitless, dude. If I if they told me I had to climb up to the top of that, because I mean, if you slip, you could end up falling all the way to ringside. Oh uh, yeah, it's absolutely terrible. God, what a great concept! All to be absolutely horribly delivered. Yeah, just Google image search, you know, Halloween Havoc, Coal Miner's Glove match. I'm seeing, I'm seeing this picture. Look how, Jordan, look how fucking high Sting is right there. Yeah, dude, he's like six feet above the top rope and he's not even And he's still not the to top. the top of it yet, man. That's the crazy thing. Um, Jake Roberts has admitted that, you know, this was not a good time for him. His whole run in WCW, which... I mean, before the bell ring was pretty cool, man. Jake was an awesome heel, dude. You know, his last his last stretch in WWF in 91 and 92 was great. And then the character work was awesome coming in. But um, I'm pretty sure he was, you know, he'd be the first to admit he's kind of blissed out of his mind. He's just kind of in oblivion as uh, as the match starts. And it's not a well-worked match at all. Sting does everything he can to just keep it professional and get, try to give the fans something to be happy about. Ends with the snake being involved and another just super hokey finish. Sting, you know, supposedly knocks the snake into Jake's face. You can see Jake like lining it up to bite his cheek. Like it's it's just embarrassing, dude. Me and Sheena watched the show a couple weeks ago, uh, watched the whole thing, and yeah, this was uh, definitely a low point in in professional wrestling. Isn't this pee stain Jake Roberts too? Isn't that what we noticed when we watched this match back? Is the huge pee stain right on the front of his trunks? Yeah, he has a wet a wet area and a suspicious part of his trunks. Um, yeah, it's just it's not great. The rest of the show is a is a bore too, man. Like there's you know Rick Rude has like a thirty minute match with I want to say maybe Masahiro Chono um, that is just it just goes on and on. It feels like they're in a chin lock for about an hour and fifteen minutes. There's a couple of tag matches that WCW was bad back in these days about having like 24, 25 minute tag matches that, you know, aren't really like, you know, I'm not opposed to having a long tag match, but these are like, they kind of just keep going. You know, you get your tag formula, right? Like babyface gets beat down, makes a hot tag, come back, you have a little brouhaha and then you get to the finish. They basically just run through that cycle of events like three different times before finally getting to the finish. And it just, it, it'll put your ass to sleep real quick. Yeah, dude, there's a tag match with a 30-minute draw on this. It's Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes with the titles versus Austin and Steve Williams, and it goes to a 30-minute draw. Yeah, which that's great. All four of those guys are awesome, but I don't want to see them in a 30-minute tag team draw. And I think that one, man, I want to say the very end of it, like – Nobody's even going for the finish, right? It's not even like a good draw where like somebody gets a three count at the last second or somebody kicks out at the last second. I think it kind of ends with them just standing around and and the time runs out. That sounds about right. All right, let's hit the beverage break. All right, I had to hit you guys with some classic Ghostbusters action right there. Jordan, what did you think of Ghostbusters Afterlife from back in 2021? I didn't hate it, man. I actually didn't think it was bad at all. Um, They put decent people in it, and yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, man. I thought it was good too, man. I I, I honestly thought it was kind of like the perfect ending to the Ghostbusters saga because it didn't really get the proper send-off it deserved from the first two, and the one with the females... 
um, from I think 2016. That was just a debacle. I don't think that was a horrible movie, but I think for trying to cash in and kind of rewrite some of the Ghostbusters history, it wasn't great. So I liked it. I'm a little skeptical that they got a sequel coming out for it though, man, because I felt like it was, I don't think you could have done it much better the way that one ended up. And it doesn't sound like it's going to end there either is the problem. It sounds like they're going to take this cash cow for all it's worth, which I get it's it. Man. With movies nowadays. Yeah. You got to milk it dry, dude. Dude. The, one of the coolest things was when they, it was uh when they did the all women's movie and they brought back Ecto cooler for like three months. Like, can, yeah. can we do that again, please? <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet, dude. What are you uh, drinking tonight? Speaking of which. I am drinking a brew dog Hellcat. Um, th- it, it's just that's one of the my, Iron Maiden beer, right? Yeah, it, this is one of my favorite IPAs of this year. Honestly, it's just yeah, it's a good one. It's just a smooth IPA. It's six percent, so it does the job. Yeah, I got a six pack of that during uh, one of my trips down to Texas for work earlier this year. Uh, to be honest, I got it just off the can art. The can art looks freaking amazing, but it ended up being a really, really damn good beer. Yep. I'm doing a bloody beer, man. I got a bush light mixed with some Bloody Mary mix. We were originally planning on doing this this morning, but I ended up having a couple things that I had to do around here and stuff. So we just pushed it to make it nighttime recording. No one thought the vibe, you know, it's, it's again, Pod Wars episode. It's got to be special. And sometimes late at night, you just get the that's when the energy level is right for, uh, for recording a good podcast, man. So um, but it's still stuck with the it's kind of like a brunch staple. If you don't want to do a mimosa or a Bloody Mary, you can hit the the bloody beer, man. I'm a big fan of these. I'm using some some Zing Zing uh, Bloody Mary mix with a Bush Light. Uh, are you a fan of the Bloody Beers, Jordan? I don't do Bloody Marys or Bloody Beers. Just never been a fan of it. I just prefer my beer just as it is. I don't need anything mixed with it. You don't like a Bloody Mary, dude? No, I do not. Absolutely hate them. <sighs> what, what is it? You don't like vodka or you I, just don't dude, like the tomato juice? I, I don't juice, know because I, I like both of those things like separately. Like I love tomatoes and tomato juice is fine to me. I just for some reason don't like it together. And I've tried to get over it and do it numerous times because I thought it was just like a thing of, hey, I tried this when I was 21 and it just wasn't for me. But no, I've, right. I've tried it numerous times over the years and it just does nothing for me. That's interesting, man, because I know you like your like, you know, kind of like cool, like out there foods and stuff, dude. And I feel like uh, I just feel like one of those like big outrageous Bloody Marys would be like right up right up your alley, dude. You know, the ones I'm talking about, they got like 15 garnishes. Yeah, we have one of those places here that is like world renowned for Bloody Marys. And yeah, I just I can't do it. You got like an olive, like a jalapeno, a big cocktail shrimp, like a little mini cheeseburger, like another smaller Bloody Mary. And it's just all like, yeah, this one right there. This one up. has like a chicken wing, a burger, a jalapeno popper, uh, candied bacon. I mean, it just has everything on top of it. But yeah, I just I can't do it. I don't know why. I couldn't find any here, man. So I'm hoping it's not it's something that's not in distribution in Tennessee. In Virginia, I used to get the Old Bay oh, yeah. Bloody Mary mix, and that's what I would do on my my Bloody Marys and my Bloody Beers, and it was excellent. You can't find that there. That's weird because we can get it here, so that's really weird. I mean, you know, I'm out here in the boonies, dude. I'm in like the freaking the the country hood, dude. So I, yeah, I, I hit two liquor stores and a Kroger. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't the most exhaustive search ever, but I did look for it and uh, could not track anything down. Zing Zing is pretty good, too, but yeah. I love Old Bay. Yeah, it's good. All right. Uh, you know, the Bloody Mary, that was kind of Ric Flair's drink of choice. I think uh, any drink was Ric Flair's drink of choice, bro. <laughs> Arn Anderson would have a, have a good story, man. He said, like, you know, they used to travel 
private on the Crockett's private jet. And like the nights after a big show, they'd go out and just get blitzed until like five in the morning and be flying out at like eight 30. And he said that everybody else on the plane would be sitting up in first class and, uh, you know, just looking like death warmed over. And then said about two minutes before the plane's taking off, Rick would come in like, you know, decked out in a suit, look like a million bucks saying bloody Mary's all the way around. Make mine a double. I always crack up thinking about that story. Yeah, that's great. All right, let's get into what's in the mix for the best match ever on a Halloween Havoc show. Halloween Havoc 1993. We're down in New Orleans for this one. 6,000 people keeping the spin the wheel, make the deal tagline. This time it actually, I don't know whether it was gimmicked or not, but they got it to land on Texas Deathmatch, probably the best gimmick they had. And we get one of the best death matches ever. Vader in Cactus Jack in the main event. I mean, can you honestly pick two better people for a death match? Like, dude, if you're like spinning a wheel, like you're praying it lands on Cactus Jack and Vader. Like th- there's nothing better than watching these two beat the shit out of each other. Vader's just an absolute monster and Cactus Jack is clinically insane. So yeah, this was a perfect pairing for this kind of match. They're both kind of at their physical athletic peaks right here too. You know I mean? Vader hadn't had all the injuries come up and, and Mick Foley had, you know, still his bump card still had a whole lot left on it, man. Because he was really kind of, I'd say within like the first year of his, of his time in WWE, like he really started to go downhill physically. But he's still moving around great. And yeah, this is just a brutal, violent match, man. Like they, they had a series of them in 1993 that were really good. And this this was their masterpiece. Yeah, it's uh, all I remember is just like how hard the chair shots and stuff like that were in this match. Like, there was one dude. that always stands out to me. I don't remember if it was on the ramp or it was in the ring, but I just remember Cactus hit Vader so hard in the head that it dented the chair in, and you could just like you could see the dent when he went to swing the chair again. He just hit him so hard with it. Yeah, this there's that spot where Vader does like the he's got Cactus Jack on his back, kind of putting him like a sleeper, and he just goes flat back, dude, just oh. crushes him. Cactus Jack has said that, you know, Vader did not want to do that spot because he thought he was going to kill him or hurt him really bad. But he had an insurance policy that he was trying to get paid out. Um, And so he was specifically wanting to get injured by that spot when they did it. Um, I don't think it actually got him hurt bad enough to do it. But there's no way that didn't just crush something in his body. Dude, how does that not crush your ribs doing that exact spot? Like, if Vader says it's too dangerous, like that should tell you something because there wasn't a lot too dangerous for Vader. <laughs> no, nah, hell no. Nah. The set design on this show is is awesome, man. You got some graveyards on the stage. Um, you got this big kind of looks like kind of like beat up wood with like the longhorns coming out of the side of it. And you got the wheel for spinning it. You got these giant spooky looking cactuses. Um, you guys will see it in the uh, the cover art for this week's episode. But really, really nice stage design here. The best they've had so far. Yeah, they absolutely crushed it with this stage design. It's just, it's perfect. All right, and this definitely marks like a uh, a real like bold line point of separation on this show. Um, looking back, probably should have put the, the beverage break right here because moving into 1994, guess who is now on the scene? Boy, this is not good. The American man, the real American, Hulk Hogan. We we are on the downhill slide as the as the kids say nowadays. Yeah, there's still some fun to be had, but it's 
it's now it's like WCW with the WWF flavor sprinkled on top of it. For really the rest of the way out, you know, until the, until the NWO shows up. Um, so we're Halloween Havoc 1994. Big show. I think this ended up being one of their biggest pay-per-views they ever did. Um, we're in Detroit, 14,000 people in the house. This is the highest attendance we've had so far. And it was Hulk Hogan defending his WCW championship that he had won at the prior pay-per-view, the, uh, the bash at the beach and he's defended against Ric Flair. Who's put his career uh, uh, on the line in this one, in the main event inside a steel cage, the, uh, the tagline was witness the terrifying rage in the cage. Now it's interesting, man, Ric Flair's putting his career on the line here, but this is 1994, man. I thought he just had his last match in 2022. <laughs> I mean, didn't Ric Flair put his career on the line like 27 times in the last 30 years? <laughs> yeah. I think he was back within like three months this time. Um, but nonetheless, you know, fun cage match. I mean, for a Hulk Hogan cage match, it was about as good as could be expected. You had Sherry Martell uh, getting involved. She took some pretty crazy bumps off the off the top of the cage. Um, it was, I thought the main event was actually good fun, as much as Hogan and Flair sounds like a snooze fest at this point. Yeah, it's... Uh, dude, I don't know, man. There's just something that... There's just something about Hogan defending the title against somebody putting their career on the line that just it never never feels right to me because you just know Hogan's gonna win. Like Hogan must pose, and it just sucks, man. Yeah, this is Hulk. Still, it, when he showed up to WCW in '94, he was living like he was like Hulk in '87, man. Um, just you know, doing the standard Hulk Hogan formula, which. Those fans really hadn't seen at that time. It was cool at first, but, you know, the WCW and NWA fans, they always have been slightly more hardcore than the WWF audience, and they got tired of it, man, to the point to where if it wasn't somewhere up north, Ric Flair was getting a lot of cheers in their feud just because that was their guy. They didn't want to see Hulk come in and, you know, do the Hulkamania stuff on Rick. Yeah, man, it's just... <sighs> We've talked about Hogan so many times. I mean, I just I feel like we're kind of just running it through the mud now, but... I mean, we obviously know our feelings on Hogan. It's just at this time, none of us wanted to see him win. It's just at this time I was over Hogan. I mean, even being 10 years old, I was, I was just over it at this point. Once, once he lost to, to the warrior and all that stuff, I just, I don't know, man, it just, the Hulkamania thing just wore out. It's welcome for me when I was a kid at this point. I feel that man, his influence is definitely felt up and down the card. Cause one thing about Hulk, man, um, you know, for every, whatever you want to say about him, he does look out for his friends and he has gotten a lot of people jobs in WCW. You had a hacksaw Jim Duggan going over Steve Austin in the mid card. Honky Tonk Man is actually on this card. And the main event, we see John Tenta. After the match, we see John Tenta debut as the Avalanche. And this masked attacker who has been just assaulting the Hulkster and kind of stalking him for weeks finally gets unveiled. Do you remember who it was, Jordan? I do not. Brother Brood Eye. Brutus the Barber oh, yeah. Beefcake is back as Brutus the Butcher and rides this heel turn all the way to the main event of Starcade. The main event of Starcade 94 was Hulk Hogan defending against Brutus Beefcake. You know, they tried to play it up as this was just such a betrayal. The problem was, man, it was never really like kayfabe that Brutus and Hulk were tight until like his last six months in WWF when they teamed up at WrestleMania 9. So even though they were best friends in real life it really wasn't that well established with the fans so this was just like a random wwf mid carter turning on him and we're you know they expected the fans to accept this as the, the main event for one of the biggest shows of the year yeah man it just i 
I mean, dude, anything involving <laughs> Brother Brudai in the main event is not good. Like, I, I love Bruce the Barber Beefcake just as much as the next person, but come on, man. Like, are we serious with this? His WCW run is just something to behold, man, from freaking... Brutus the Butcher to the, the Booty Man, the Zodiac, the Disciple. I really want a Disciple figure. I thought his look as the Disciple was cool as hell. One Warrior Nation with a second <laughs> person in One Warrior Nation. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, anything else? Any other thoughts on 94 before we move into uh, another <laughs> Detroit classic? Yeah, let's just go ahead and move into the classics. So one thing, they definitely took a, one more thing on 94. They took a step back on the stage design. It was really just the WCW Saturday night set that, you know, they, somebody stopped at Spirit Halloween on the way to the show and spent, you know, 175 bucks on Halloween decorations and threw them up over the Saturday night set for some reason. Yeah, this one was um, bad. Yeah. 95 with similar as far as the set goes, man, just kind of like uh, uh, the the Saturday night set spiced up with some, some Halloween elements. But this is... You know, it's so cartoonish, man. But at the same time, you could make an argument that this is like the, uh, you know, the Halloween Havoc to watch if you're only going to watch one of them, man. Mm. Halloween Havoc 1995. Tagline is there's nowhere to hide. Um, yeah. You know, there's some stuff. We'll, we'll, let's wait before we get to the main event. So first off, on the undercard, one thing I want to mention, Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page opened this one up. I feel like they opened up the they were the opening match on every single 1995 WCW pay-per-view. Can confirm. These guys uh they loved the opening match more than anybody. Yeah, trading the TV title back and forth. They were always pretty good matches, but yeah, Johnny B. Bad and uh, uh just starting out Diamond Dallas Page. Interesting footnote, we have Sabu's only pay-per-view appearance in WCW was on this show. Yeah, what, he had a very short run in 1995 and got canned for just being too freaking wild. And he wrestled Mr. JL, also known as Jerry Lynn. Yeah, we had what was, it, you know, it honestly has become just like a, a, a joke. It's it's happened so often. Ric Flair betrayed Sting once oh again to rejoin God. the Four Horsemen. Like how many times do we how many times do we see that storyline play out over the years? Yeah, this was definitely just something we saw like once or twice a year. It was like when the big show was turning heel every other month. <laughs> yeah, it's like Sting. At some point, like you kind of lose sympathy for Sting, and you're just like, dude, you're a fucking idiot for even believing this for one second, man. Yeah, not good. All right, but let's get to the main event. It's actually a two-parter. So this was uh, man versus man, machine versus machine. But this was another one that if you get in the archives, you can find a watch along we did of this. So it starts off with a a monster truck battle that takes place on top of Cobo Hall uh, there in Detroit. With the giant and Hulk Hogan in a in a monster truck battle, man. Um, you know, what kind of, what's, what's some of your takeaways from the the truck fight? <laughs> oh man, do we do we really need to go too in depth with this? It was a five minute truck fight, and it should have been about a minute and a half, if that. It's just <laughs> it was not good TV. No, it was absolutely, dude. What was WCW's infatuation with monster trucks at this point? Like, there was a monster truck on every other show at this point, I feel like. <laughs> Goldberg had one. Macho Man had one. Like, yeah, there was always some monster truck elements. Yeah, you know, Medusa, man, my girl, she ended up uh, being a monster truck driver after she left the wrestling world. Wow. Could have used without, could have gone without knowing that information, but thank you. Old deuce, deuce. Deuce, deuce. Uh, but yeah, so they have this monster truck battle, which is complete nonsense. And then they get out of the trucks and have a little skirmish. 
and mm. it ends with mm. Hulk Hogan mm. throwing the giant off the top of Kobo Hall. <laughs> Dude. Supposedly into a river down below. Again, God, Hulk Hogan really was a piece of shit. God, dude. Like, also, the that whole thing from start to finish is, is probably one of the worst TV spots of all time. Like, the monster truck match itself is terrible, and then that ending just makes it ten times worse. All bad. I think they should start a new thing this year. They, like... Each year for the WWE Hall of Fame, they should pick one segment that was just so bad that gets inducted into like the Hall of Shame each year or something, man. Like, and th- I think this would be a good choice for the first one to to make it. Yeah, that would be a cool one for sure. But yeah, so the giant, yeah, we see the Hulk, we see Hulk Hogan basically um, commit at a minimum, I'd say manslaughter, um, if not uh, if not just straight up homicide. Um, but yeah, we saw the giant get thrown off a building and then, uh, you know, 15 minutes later, it's time for the main event, which is Hulk defending the WCW championship against the the giant. You know, he's somehow supposed to brush off getting thrown off a building into the river. Nice of him to swim back to shore and give us a really good main event. Cause yeah, it's really great. Why do you think they got the monster trucks up on top of that building? Would they have to like crane those up or what? I mean, you would imagine cause it, there's no other way to get them up there. So think about how much trouble they went through just to fucking make this happen. This wasn't like something easy where it's like, oh, well, you know, we could just try this. If it doesn't work out, no big deal. Like there had to be some serious effort, man. They probably had to shut down like a city block to make that happen. Yeah. And they put a ton of effort and you could not tell by the way it was presented. No, it was horrible. So, yeah, somehow we see the giant. His hair's not even wet, man. That's the one thing that always bothered me about this i feel like you could almost just laugh at it and say oh this is just dumb wrestling if he at least would have come with like you know he should have shown up in in his like you know the same clothes looking a little disheveled with the hair soaking wet but he's looking like a million bucks man he's looking like he's showing up for the first match of monday nitro yeah this is just miserable booking but again they had ideas they just never were fully realized yeah and then we actually see the giant in his first actual match. He defeats Hulk Hogan for the WCW championship. Again, just a horrible match, dude. Like one of the worst matches you could ever see. It's really impossible for us to put into words just how bad this match is, but you still need to see it because we have one of the most iconic debuts of a wrestler of all time. And the Yeti! When the Yeti, seven foot four, Ron Reese comes out and him and the giant basically gangbang Hulk Hogan until he can no longer continue and uh, and the Giants awarded the belt. I mean, it, it's a double bear hug. Like, so just imagine what a double bear hug would look like. One of them's the Giants bear hugging Hulk from the front, and the Yeti is bear hugging him from the back. And the Yeti is getting a ton of uh, movement with the in the pelvis region as he's doing it. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Yeti! Yeah, it's just th- this whole thing is just an absolute debacle. It's nothing about it is good. I. I don't know, dude. The more we talk about Halloween Havoc, the more I realize there was way more bad than there was good. Like, fucking terrible. But it's the nostalgia, dude. It is. It's the set design and the good stuff shines. And I feel like the bad stuff was always bad. Like, it was at least, like, so bad it was entertaining. It wasn't, it was never just, like, you know, WWE 2018 bad. That's true. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's still some watchable aspects to this and the sets definitely make it. So, yeah, I agree with you there. So a couple Yeti questions, dude. Why? Why was he 
the Yeti when he was a mummy. A, a Yeti is like an abominable snowman, right? Yeah, sure was. So why was he? Why was he a mummy? I don't, dude. Again, who the hell was making these decisions that were like, all right, man, we're gonna wrap him up like a mummy and call him the Yeti? Like, dude. <laughs> Good God, WCW, do better. We need to have Eric Bischoff. We have Eric Bischoff on the show. Is there a way we can make that happen (laughs) so we can just shit on him for an hour? I think this was a Kevin Sullivan brainchild. Kevin Sullivan was still the lead booker at this time, which makes sense when you saw how much play the the Dungeon of Doom got during this time. Did we never get a WCW Yeti action figure? Not that I can recall. I don't think we did, man. No, I don't think so either. That is crazy, dude. He's such a, I mean, he's right up there with Shockmaster as far as like, you know, so bad it's good wrestling characters. I would never call Yeti dressed like a mummy good, but man, those are your words, not mine. How has Yeti Coolers not tabbed him for like a promotion to break into the wrestling market? Um, I don't think that's the way you want to break into the wrestling market, but I don't know, man, that's just, that's just me talking. You're telling me you wouldn't pop, dude, if you saw a commercial for Yeti coolers and they had the Yeti on there dressed as a mummy, like sipping a cold one. (laughs) Whether or not I would pop and whether or not other people would pop is two different things. I'm a degenerate wrestling fan. Like normal people would be like, what the fuck is that? Is there a WCW wrestler that you could think of that you want to action figure of more than the Yeti? Because I'm starting to think about it, dude, and like. I think Yeti's like probably my number one, dude. Yeah, he's definitely up there. Um, I just think it'd be so such a cool toy, dude. They did the, they got the mummified Chris Jericho monsters figure, so they know how to do a mummy figure. Yeah, this would be, this is definitely up there. I'd, I'd love a Chronic two pack too, but this is up there. You know, NECA did their, um, they had a series of all the Universal monsters. Uh, it came out last year, man, and I, I heard him announce the mummy. I was really hoping that he would be close enough to pass for a Yeti um, in the collection, but it, unfortunately, it really didn't. The, the Universal, the NECA Universal mummy didn't look much like the Yeti at all. Not at all. I do got a little pro tip for you guys while we're on WCW. It's not Halloween Havoc related, but the funk, the, the NECA, uh, I don't know why I said Funko, the NECA RoboCop fits in perfect with uh, your WCW Stings if you want to recreate that other awesome WCW idea. Yeah, there you go. And there's another tip from Seth. <laughs> All right. So 1996, another another line in the sand. You know, we talked about 94. Hulk comes in between 95 and 96. Was there anything historically significant in wrestling that happened, Jordan? No, not at all. What what could possibly have happened between those two years? New, 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 new world order. We got the heel turn of Hollywood Hogan, man, that shocked the wrestling world. And it's a, we're literally, you know, basically three months off of it. Um, going into Halloween Havoc. Hulk's the WCW champion at this point. We're, and we're also in Vegas, where the show would be at for its last five years. It ended up just being a, a staple. That was kind of like WCW's thing back in those days. They liked running their, their big shows at the same place. They would always have um, Halloween Havoc would always be in Las Vegas. Uh, Bash at the Beach would always be, you know, either it bounced back and forth between like Orlando and Tampa, Florida, and Starcade was always in D.C. Um, 
so really, really, this is a fun show. You start to get close to the uh, the famous stage designs. This has got the Slim Jim. This has got the alien thing, or it's like, I don't know if he's supposed to be an alien or like a monster wrestler, but he's holding up the Slim Jim logo because Slim Jim is all about this one, and we'll get into it, man. But we're in Vegas. Um, the tagline was a night of terror and suspense. Attendance, 10,000. Um, we'll talk about the the big thing on the undercard was that we saw the Outsiders win the tag team belts from Harlem Heat. Uh, for their first of seven WCW title wins, yeah, this was a this was a start of something really special here. So, um, I'll, I'll whatever I have to say about Hulk Hogan is whatever. But Hogan main eventing again, um, as would be a a theme moving forward. But it, yeah, it's definitely a historical night. I mean, Outsiders one of the greatest tag teams ever. Um, this is kind of where they got really going. So. So this is the main events, Macho and Hulk Hogan, uh, which made sense anyways, because Macho Man was probably the number two babyface in WCW at the yeah. time, aside from Sting. Uh, but did you know that this was actually a contractually obligated match? I did not. So so real, I'll give you guys a quick history lesson. Macho Man had a very unique first contract, that first three-year run that he had in WCW from 94 through the end of 97. Um, so when he left WWF, he brought his Slim Jim endorsement with him. Like that, the endorsement wasn't through WWF. It was direct to the Macho Man. And the way his contract was structured, his first three years in WCW, he was actually getting paid by Slim Jim. Like yeah. Slim Jim, basically, it was like a, almost like a three-way deal. Like Slim Jim was paying for him to wrestle on WCW in exchange for ad time and like in-show promotion stuff of the Slim Jim brand. And one of the things of his contract was that at some point in the three years, he would have a main event match on pay-per-view against Hulk Hogan. And this was when they decided to uh, cash it in because I'm assuming the Slim Jim people remembered how big of a cash cow that WrestleMania five match was on pay-per-view and how much attention it got. Um, but yeah, isn't that kind of crazy, man, that Slim Jim was the ones paying Macho Man those, those first couple years? I mean, it makes sense, dude. He uh, <clears throat> wasn't for Macho Man. I don't think Slim Jims would still be around, to be quite honest with you. Like, he he definitely really launched them into the mainstream. Need a little beef, need a little spice. Do a Slim Jim. Yeah, I still, I still love a Slim Jim, dude. Are you a Slim Jim guy? Oh, yeah. Slim Jims are amazing. Which one do you go for, man? Do you like the OG, you like the monster, like double thick, like the Tabasco flavor? What's, what's your Slim Jim of choice? I like the the spicier ones. I always go for a hot, so. Just, what about the thickness? Do you like the, the original I, I like or you the, like the, I, the I like the original girth. I'm not a, I'm not a big girthy one, so yeah, I, I prefer the original <laughs> girth. Yeah, I go for the original too, dude. I feel like the, I feel like the original just gives you that snap, dude, because yeah. that's really what you want on that, dude. You want that snappy bite with a little bit of spice. I'm not going to get like a whole mouthful of the processed meat that's inside that casing, you know. Say that three times. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they have um, they fight in the main event. Obviously, you know it's a typical NWO schmoz at the time. But the big thing at the end of it is that Roddy Piper debuts. Yeah, this is a again another cool moment, dude. It's just it is kind of wild to look back and just see how many stars swapped between the two companies, isn't it? Like, and and we're not like talking like just like middle of the line stars. We're talking like main event talent is switching shows. Like, it's pretty incredible, honestly, when you go back and think about it. Well, it was wild because Piper really hadn't wrestled in WWF for. Um, 
for about five years, man. Like, you know, he was at, um, or about four years, I guess. He had his big match with Brett at WrestleMania 8, and then he was kind of doing commentary. Um, you know, he had the Hollywood backlot brawl with Goldust, but his last run at WWF was the, you know, he was the president or commissioner or whatever they were calling it at that time. Yeah, I think it was president. I remember he turned it back over to Gorilla Monsoon right before WrestleMania 12 so Gorilla could screw Brett in that fucking Iron Man match debacle. Um, but yeah, to me, man, at the time, dude, just it was out of my just ignorant youth. I didn't realize what the big deal was about Piper showing up because I kind of remember Piper is like the zany dude. That, you know, I thought it was cool when he won the Intercontinental Championship at WWF, but I really didn't realize how big a deal he was back in the in the mid 80s feuding with with Hogan when really he was kind of like the number one heel in the company. Yeah, dude, it's uh, it's crazy because I, I honestly thought the same thing. I thought that like Piper was just like a mid card act and um, never really like I don't know. He just never really hit my radar like you just said as like someone who was really moving the needle. But dude, this dude was loved by a lot of people. And oh yeah, man. I guess I just and if you go back, he was booked so strong. Like Hogan never beat him, dude. Like he hardly ever lost on TV. He was. I imagine it made him a pain in the ass to work with backstage, but he if he ever lost, it was always by DQ. Like, if you go back, he very rarely got pinned. That's why, you know, Brett says it made him whenever he he pinned Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8. Yeah, I know, but, like, when you're thinking back to this time, I mean, obviously we're 11, 12 years old. Like, I mean, I just don't, like, recall, like, Piper being a big deal. Like, I just... I don't know. Maybe I just blocked that out of my memory, but yeah, I just don't know. I'm with you too, man. I I think it was the time because really it was, I mean, the time when he was biggest was like prior to really WrestleMania three. You know I mean? He has his first retirement match against Adrian Adonis at WrestleMania three. And I think his, a lot of his biggest moments were even, you know, prior to WrestleMania one. So I think for kid, I I realize looking back now, I realize why it was such a big deal for older fans. Um, you know, it'd be akin to like a returning legend coming back nowadays for us. But I'm right there with you as a kid. I was just like, ah, oh, that's cool. I didn't, it didn't seem like the type of thing that should be like ending a pay-per-view. Yeah, it definitely did not. That's why I'm saying like, it's just wild to me. So yeah. And then it leads to them main eventing Starcade 96. Roddy Piper beats him, but in a non-title match, just I mean, how how the fuck do you have it be non-title in the main event of your biggest show of the year? How does that happen, dude? Dude, I, I think me and you could literally do a WCW retrospect, and I think how the hell did that happen would be words uttered about a million times. Like, it, it, this I don't was, think it'd be a retrospect. I think we could do a whole fucking separate podcast, dude. Th- this is you just have a whole season of that. Yeah, this is just the WCW way, man. They just they do the weirdest shit. Like they like again, they have good concepts, they have good people, and they just never knew how to execute it, man. It's just it's sad. I am looking forward to that ultimate edition Roddy Piper figure that's coming out from mm-hmm. this run because I think we talked about it on that San Diego Comic Con episode, our last Pod Warriors. Um, that uh, you know, despite us not being huge fans of that run, that is a very very cool figure with the the icon shirt. Yeah, absolutely, it's gonna be really cool. All right. Um, other than that, I don't really got not much else for uh, Havoc 96, man. You? Nope. We can move on. So 97, we get the payoff from a year earlier. This is going to be Hogan versus Piper in a steel cage match. Still got the Slim Jim uh, sponsorship going. The The motto for this one is snap into the madness. This is in front of 12,457 people. So attendance is up a couple thousand. You know, this is 97 is probably 97 and 98 are really WCW's peak years. You can see that because business is up big time. Still in Vegas. Um, 
We'll get to the main event, man. But first off, dude, this has, I'd say you could probably, it's between uh, Cactus Jack and Invader at Halloween Havoc 93 and the opener from this one, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero for best match in Halloween Havoc history. This is honestly one of my favorite WCW matches, period. It, this match is just, dude, for a 14-minute match, this is absolute wrestling perfection to me. It's just, it's so good. Yeah, it's... uh. I think it's definitely the best cruiserweight match ever. If you just Google, like, you know, top 10 wrestling matches ever, you're going to see this one come up on a ton of lists. It's just, it's a masterpiece, man. It's, it's got a lot of luchador in it, but it's not, it's not a luchador match. If that's what you're thinking, like these guys just work a solid cruiserweight style match with some great storytelling. Eddie grows awesome heel. Ray Mysterio, the never say die baby face. And yeah, like go out of your way. If you're only going to watch a few matches off our recommendations, definitely make this one of them. Yep. Yeah, this is a this is a fun one. It's just for the fact that it's the opening match too. It's just it, it's incredible. It's so good. It can be uh, fully recreated in figure form as well. The Elite sixty seven Rey Mysterio, and then the Hall of Fame Eddie Guerrero, and that Eddie Guerrero is actually getting a uh, re release in the Monday Night Wars Ultimate Edition line coming up next year. I'm okay with that one getting a re release, honestly, because. I mean, it's it's an iconic figure from an iconic match, so I'm fine with it. We've only had two mullet Eddie figures also, dude. We had, in the Hall of Champions line, they had the original babyface Eddie Guerrero in, like, the singlet. And then we had that one, man. Like, we are very light on, on Eddie Guerrero mullet figures. Yeah, this is a... This is a well-needed one, too. Just Eddie with the mullet was always... It just hit different, didn't it? It just... It always felt different when Eddie had the mullet. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. I was a bigger fan of mullet Eddie than I was short-haired Eddie, even though he obviously had his best success with the short hair. Yeah. Um, the set design, we're we're getting close, dude. We're basically one year away from the peak iconic WCW set design. But we have that same, like, alien monster wrestler guy's face with the Halloween Havoc logo and Slim Jim uh, branding all over the place. So very cool stage. Main event, we have Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper in like one of the tallest steel cage matches I've ever, as tallest steel cages I've ever seen. It almost is looks like the Thunderdome cage without the enclosure at the top. Um, it goes around the ring. Like I, I sometimes wonder, because this took place just a couple weeks after that incredible Hell in the Cell bad blood match between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. So I wonder if maybe they thought like, yo, we got to we gotta do something crazy to answer that. Because this is just a huge cage. Like if you look at that picture I sent you, Jordan, where Macho Man's about to jump off the top with that axe handle, like that's a hellified jump. Yeah, it's that's definitely about as high as you can possibly get on a cage. So yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. Like I said, it's just... We are on a run of of the Hogan must be in every main event, unfortunately. So, and this is another one that ends up in just the NWO schmoz, dude. Fans booing them. Like, I think the NWO was still over at this point, but I think you're starting to get into a little bit of like go away heat with these guys by now. <clears throat> yeah, it was a uh, it was getting to the point. I can remember watching this show, and I was just kind of to the point where I'm like, dude, do they really need to be involved in every single angle? And yeah, it just, it was not over with me at this point anymore. <laughs> yeah. And we're two months away from Sting once and for all triumphantly beating them and putting a perfect end to that story so they can move on to something else. Yep. That's all not I got, really. man. No, I, I, I don't have anything yeah. to add, dude. You just put it so eloquently. If, if only that's how it actually went, man. You know, of course, they botched that. Again, going back to WCW being so close, dude. You have 
what I still think is probably the best build to a match ever with the year and a half long build to Sting versus Hollywood Hogan. And then it just ends in a fuck fest. Yeah, it's just not great at all. All right, moving on to 1998. We're still in Las Vegas. Attendance is down a little bit. You know, we were at 12,400 a year before. We're down to 10,600 this year. Tagline is the night when good battles evil. So three matches I want to talk about. First off, though, the set. So this is where we are at the peak set. You got the the, the WCW kind of columns on one side, NWO on the other, and we got that like monster alien thing holding the giant inflatable pumpkin surrounded by tombstones, man. Like how iconic is that giant pumpkin? Dude, th- when uh, when we talk Halloween Havoc, this is what I picture. Like this yes, entrance dude. is the gr- – to me, I, this is just me. Non-WrestleMania, this to me is the greatest entrance ever made. Like it, it's just period. Like this is my favorite entrance ever. I just I, I love agree. I love everything about it. It's absolutely perfectly done. I just I don't know how you can make this any better, honestly. Think if they would have done a uh, crowd fund for this instead of the Nitro stage, man. I think it may have got us across the finish line. Yeah, I just I, I feel like again we've talked about the crowd funds and stuff. I just I feel like they'd be better off if they let us vote on what we wanted. And dude, yeah, I, I just time. don't know how this would not win. Like. I mean, anybody you talk to, like, this is what you picture when you picture Halloween Havoc is this entrance. Like, I I don't know anybody who does not think this is the greatest Halloween Havoc entrance. Honestly, I feel like in a lot of ways, this would be a little bit easier to execute than that Nitro stage. You don't got a ramp or any real platform or anything like they kind of just it's kind of just set up on the ground in the entrance way. Um, Yeah, it could be cool. Maybe maybe one of our friends who's into like the 3D printing can can tool something up for us. Well, that would be sick. The other thing is, is so since they ran MGM Grand each year, like they they set this up specifically for that arena so they could keep using it. So, yeah. Yeah. And you kind of it was it probably made a lot easier to kind of just build on what you did the year before, you know, because you definitely see that when you start going back and watching doing the research for these shows in sequential order. Yeah, it just kept getting better. All right, but you got three matches we want to talk about. So first off, this one's in the mix for me for like all time disappointments, dude. Which again, I know we've been as you got to. I got to remind you guys, man. We love WCW. I know we've been bagging on them a lot on the show just because they just failed to deliver in a lot of big spots. Um, and here's another one, man. Sting and Bret Hart going one on one on pay per view. I remember being so you know, 13 year old Seth was so freaking excited for this match, even though Bret's coming up on a year in WCW at this point, and to say it's it would be kind if you only described it as underwhelming. Um, but I'm still thinking like, all right, dude, this is where it's going to turn around. And again, this ends up being a schmoz sting. You know, Bret Hart beats up sting with a baseball bat after a ref bump. This was one of those dream matches you always thought about, right? When pro wrestling illustrated would, would do the little fantasy issues of WWF versus WCW sting versus Bret Hart was always in there. And it was just so sad that once we finally get that match, this is what they ended up giving us. It's going to be a theme here, back-to-back matches, because, yeah, this is this is a sad excuse for what we thought we were getting. It's 15 minutes, but honestly, man, the way they did this match, I would have been fine with it being 10 minutes. It just, it, it was not it for me. It should have been on Nitro, dude. If this is what they were going to do, they should have had it be on Nitro, and then you could have the real match on pay-per-view sometime down the road. But yeah, it sucked. Nah, no use crying over spilled milk, man. Then we get, you know, this is another one that, is in the mix for worst match of all time, dude. Like if you look, if you Google like top, you know, top five worst wrestling matches ever, there's a good chance this is going to be on the list. 
the rematch of one of the absolute best matches ever right now. You know, I'm looking at a beautiful uh, custom commission painting from from the extra cooler of the right now. Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior eight years later running back the classic from WrestleMania six at Halloween Havoc. Um, Jordan, I'm gonna let you talk on this one, man. You're, you're the big warrior fanatic out of the two of us, man. What went wrong here? Everything, dude. Everything went wrong. Um, you knew they weren't going to let Hogan lose twice to Warrior. It just everybody knew that going into this match. Um, did I think it would be this much of a shit fest? No. Um, this actually is Warrior's only singles match um, on WCW pay per view. So yeah, I don't, that should tell you everything you need to know about this match. It's just it's so bad, man. It, there's just nothing redeeming about this match. Um, again, I talked about Hogan has to be involved in everything. And I just, I know that when warrior came over to WCW, that was one of the caveats. Like you have to wrestle Hogan again and he has to beat you. And God, dude, there's just nothing positive to say about this match at all. Just the whole thing is bad. I mean, dude, even if you take away from the fact that warrior looks like shit in this match, like. Even if you take all that away, the match itself is just still still pure garbage. Like, there's nothing good about this match at all. I mean, do you think this has any redeeming qualities at all? Other than just morbid curiosity, man. I do like the Warriors look. I yeah. thought his gear and stuff was very cool. Face paint was cool. But no, man, this one is just horrible. You know, that WrestleMania 6 match, Pat Patterson booked that thing out for them move for move. That was like a uh, there was no calling it in the ring or improvising. That was a that was a straight up every single match, every every single move was set up, um, you know, which which makes sense because it is a perfect match from like a storytelling perspective. Um, and I, I don't think that was the case here. I think this one was just, you know. Hulk making it up as he went. And dude, I still firmly believe, man, that the whole reason they brought him back was just Hulk's ego is out of control at this point. And I think they brought him back just so he could get his win back, dude. I mean, Hulk, I don't know. Warrior had, Warrior had stated that on some of the documentaries on him that that was his belief. And I agree, man. I, I, cause while he's only there for three months, dude, they paid him all that money. And literally after this match, I think he maybe has one more appearance on Nitro after this and then he's gone. Yeah. This is his only match. His only singles match in WCW is this one right here. It's, it's a shame, man. It really is. Um, there's just there's not much good to say about this at all. It's just it's sad, man. This is definitely the downfall of. I mean, he was already in his downfall, but it's this is just capping it. Just horrible, man. This is not. He had a couple more matches on some some weird indies and stuff, but for all intents and purposes, yeah, like this is the Ultimate Warrior's last match. Yeah, this is his last major match, and. He, of course, it's losing to Hulk Hogan because why not? Because Hogan's a douchebag. And yeah, it's just, it sucks, man. Uh, there's, I, we watched this match again. You guys can go back and listen to us talk about it. But this is like a sad match for me because, like, I love the Warrior and this is just not him at all. And just Hogan. The whole it. vibe's gone, man. Like, the, even like <clears throat> from the entrance and everything, it's like the energy is just not there. That even when he came back in 96 and WC and WWE or WWF at the time, even though that ultimately was not a success, like the vibe was still there. It still felt like Ultimate Warrior when he comes out at WrestleMania 12 and, and squashes Triple H, you know? Yeah, I mean, at least there was some of it left. Like, they weren't completely ripping it all off at that point, but there's nothing left of it at this point. Yeah, very Sad. bad. We'll go to a high note after this really, really good main event, man. Unfortunately, there were some technical issues and about 75% of the pay-per-view audience um, 
ended up having their pay-per-view feed cut off yep. and did not get to see Diamond Dallas Page and Goldberg. And they actually aired it during the first hour of Nitro the next night. And for a while, it held the record for the most watched match ever on cable TV, the rebroadcast of this one. Um, I think there's, you know, me and uh, J-Bone watched this on the episode of Coming Down the Aisle a couple weeks ago. I think you can make a strong case that this is Goldberg's best match ever. This is a fantastic match. You're 100% right. This... This redeems this show a little bit from the two previous matches because those were both, we already talked about them. But yeah, this is very good. I agree with you. I, uh, yeah, I think it's between this and his match against Brock at WrestleMania 33, that like six minute just streaking, yeah. like straight up sprint. I think those are probably the two best Goldberg matches. Um, but yeah, dude, this is a really, really good match, man. DDP is just as over as it gets as a baby face. Dude, I said this on, on coming on out. I stand by it, man. If I could go back in time, this is it's probably not my number one thing I would change from wrestling history, but it's up there, dude. I think I have DDP win this match. Yep. You know, he hits that awesome diamond cutter out of nowhere off the jackhammer. I think you could ha- I think that'd be a perfect way to end the streak and take some of the pressure off that. And you could have Goldberg win it back the next night on Nitro or the next the, the next pay-per-view, right? Like get it right back. But I think it gets the diamond cutter even more over as like you will not kick out of this move. Um, it makes Diamond Dallas Page, you know, a, a world champ and elevates him. And I don't think Goldberg would lose anything, man. I don't no. think there was no shame in taking a diamond cutter out of nowhere and getting pinned. Well, it would have been better than the way they did end the streak. So, I mean, I just. Yeah, with the tase, with getting tased by Scott Hall. Exactly. Yeah, Rod, like, yeah, just ruined the whole thing. I think this I think Goldberg's streak would have would have aged so much better as well if that's how it ended, right? If the ending was an awesome match at Halloween Havoc where DDP hits the diamond cutter on him. And then you could if you really were hell bent on doing that finish with Kevin Nash, you could still do that at Starcade, but then that doesn't have to be how the streak ended, right? Like that can just be, you know, a time where Kevin Nash cheated to beat to beat Goldberg. Yeah, I agree. It just they ruined the streak with the way they ended it. But yeah, really cool match. Like I said, I would for various reasons, I would watch all three of the ones we talked about off this show, Bret Hart, Sting, Hogan, Warrior, and Goldberg, and DDP, because they're all three pretty historically significant. And this is kind of the last of our major Halloween Havocs, man. Um, you ready to dive into the last two years as WCW hit the death spiral? <sighs> These two are so bad. So going back, we are at... Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you this, dude. So 99, we're still in Vegas. All right, so 97, we had 12,400 people. 98, 10,600. 99, we're down to 8,464 people in the stands. Um, the the tagline for this one is when our inner animals come out to play. Does that get you hyped up for wrestling if you hear like that's the uh, that's the, 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 the tagline for the show? No, it does not. And this show definitely follows suit on the terribleness. This is so bad, dude. We're deep into the, the Vince Russo era of WCW. Um, on this show, Hulk Hogan lays down for Sting. Um, for I still cannot figure out. I tried. I don't remember that ha- happening. I was pretty much totally checked out on WCW by this point, and it was hard on doing research to find any like kayfabe reason for why Hogan laid down to Sting to give Sting the world championship. This is kind of eight months or ten months after the finger poke poke doom. They're still doing dumb shit like this. You know, they would do something like this again at Bash of the Beach 2000. So I don't know why Vince Russo loved having guys just lay down at the opening bell to get pinned. Um, but he does it. He, so Sting beats Hogan that way to be, become WCW champion. And then in the main event, um, him and Goldberg go one-on-one and Goldberg beats Sting for the championship, which is – here's the weird thing, man. So in that match, 
before before the match, the announcers are talking about how it's actually non-title. It's just a grudge match between Goldberg and Sting. But then when Goldberg wins, he's awarded the WCW championship. Dude, this this whole thing from that Hogan thing on, everything after that is god awful. I hate the DDP and Ric Flair strap match. I hate that match. I don't I don't know why what it is, but there's just something about that match that just does not set right with me. Goldberg and Sid Vicious is not great. I mean, it's a seven minute match, so that's the other thing. Goldberg wins the WCW United States title two matches before this, and then comes out and beats Sting in three minutes to win the world title. Like, my God, dude, Vince Russo. Like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> Who the, the roster is still show? not bad at this point. Like, the roster is still strong, and I just, I don't get it, man. It, it, oh, yeah, dude. I mean, you got Hulk Hogan, Goldberg, Sid, Sting, Bret Hart. Like, you have enough main eventers to go around, man, and obviously that's what sells the show. It's just... The booking is just atrocious, dude. Dude, the under the undercard people are great on this. Like, obviously, we can't mention some of these names because the things they did. But I mean, dude, you still had Brett, you still had Luger, you still had Eddie Guerrero, you you had the Harlem Heat. Harlem Heat. Like, dude, this is just the names I just named off is a good enough roster to carry you. Like, God, dude, Vince Russo, whatever was left to WCW, it just. He just crumbled it in his hands. I, don't, I really don't us. even like watching these these two shows. Like, and I love Halloween Havoc, but these are not these to me are not even part of the of the anthology. Yeah, we're we're circling the drain. We're about five months away from WCW being completely dead for two th- Halloween Havoc two thousand. Still in Vegas, attendance is down even more. We're down to seventy five hundred people. Um, what's up with this poster, dude? It's called they're, they're calling the show the unveiling. The future of professional wrestling is here and now. Sting is on the uh, the front with his like arms outstretched. It's like he's got like smoke coming off of him, like he just got off the freaking um, you know Blackstone griddle. Like what what's going on with that poster, dude? I don't know, but everything I said about the roster in '99 completely ignore for 2000 because this is absolute dog shit. I didn't even write down any matches from the. Uh, from the show there was just it's just a nothing burger of a show how about these pictures though the ring apron look they finally ditched the classic logo dude look at that wcw halloween havoc logo there so terrible dude just not it's a weird like it just screams like year 2000 like the font and everything and look who the show was sponsored by wcw backstage assault that tells you all you need to know this dude (laughs) that that logo just screams like somebody logged into like a powerpoint and made this for them in two minutes yeah WCW backstage assault. For those who don't remember, that was the wrestling oh, game that famously did not have a ring. It was nothing. It basically was nothing except but backstage brawl mode from WWE 2K. And then look at the set. They ditched the set to just go with its generic. It looks basically a copy of the Raw Titantron. Um, I got that picture there. I think that's Chavo Guerrero and maybe Lash LaRue or somebody. I can't even I'm not sure who that is in the ring. But look at how just, you know, the year before, we get, they kept that same awesome set with the pumpkin. And now we have the most generic set ever. Um, with that awful logo, it's just yeah. You could tell that the the buzzards are circling at this point. Yeah, I, I think you said everything that needs to be said about this show. I I really don't like talking about this one. The end of WCW is just depressing to me. So starting in 2020, uh, Papa H Triple H threw us a bone, and we started getting 
a revival of Halloween Havoc, man, with NXT. It was a TV special in 20 and 21. They actually made it like a full-fledged pay-per-view last year. Uh, it's back to being a two-part TV special this year. But how have you felt about uh, the NXT Halloween Havoc revival? It's enjoyable to get some nostalgia, right? I mean, yeah, they've been decent shows. I mean, you're never going to be able to hit on on what they what they did in the early 90s like i just i think it's impossible to get that feeling back like you can't you can't just relive that so i I have enjoyed these but i mean for the most part like they've just been kind of meh shows for me i think i think they've done it justice though man and they're in their tribute stuff you know they brought back spin the wheel make the deal that was cool had crazy sets you know it's definitely you're right it's not the original halloween havoc um, it's kind of like a somewhere between that and like the Halloween themed episodes of Raw, where you'd have like the, the trick or treat street fight and stuff, right? Uh, but they have been pretty fun, man. I did like last year that they had the cinematic match with uh, Mandy Rose in the in the haunted house that with was Chucky cool. and everything. Yeah, yeah I thought that, that was cool. very well done. So I've been a fan of it, man. Um, and I'm I'm excited to see what they do with it this year. The Are you ch- ready to get into the Chucky's some- Choice match? Was two years ago, right? That was 2021. Yeah, Chucky's. I know last year was the one. Yeah, I think they had the Chucky's Choice then, but last year was the when they did the cinematic oh, yeah, match in the haunted house. And you're stuff. right. Yep, you're right. I don't know if that was the Chucky's Choice match though. The Chucky's, you know, Chucky's got the show on uh, on USA, so that's it makes it for an easy tie-in with him and WWE. And it was cool, a nice little touch of uh, you know a nod to the past. They got to. Um, they got to rekindle the Rick Steiner Chucky feud from 1999 with uh, Braun Breaker. Yeah, it was really great. Really good. All right, let's get into some listener mail. So Sam Rosenthal says, Pod Warriors are back. Favorite Halloween Havoc uh, card top to bottom show-wise? Man, that's tough. Um, there's not really a straight-up, like, classic, right? They don't have – there's no, like, WrestleMania 10, Great American Bash 1989 in there. You got to pick and choose. I think I'm going 93, dude. Yeah. Because that's the last one that still felt like that early 90s WCW, and you get that huge main event. I agree. I, that's probably what I would pick, too. Um, it definitely isn't 1998. I'll say that. I like 97 a lot, though, man. I think 97 was a fun one, and it, like we said, it has Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, which alone is worth the whole watch of the show. So just to be different, I'll go 97. Okay. Cool, man. The favorite Halloween Havoc or Halloween Havoc figure you want the most. We talked about it earlier. Yeti. For me, it's the Yeti. Yeah, it's not even close. All right. And then he says, as a side note, really miss all the special shows like this one with the entrance stages. Yeah, we talked about that a few times before, man. With the WCW, for all their faults, they always went all out with the unique stage designs. Remember, like, Slamboree always had, like, the Western, like, OK Corral type feel to it. Um, obviously Halloween Havoc, like yeah, that was that was one thing that WCW was really good at. Think about some of the Bash at the Beach sets. Um, they always went all out to make their shows feel unique. I hate how far we've gotten away from the cool entrance stages and making a pay per view feel big. It just using just the big Titan Tron for everything to me is just I don't know, man. It takes away from it to me. I mean, I yeah, feel WWE used to do a great <laughs> job with it too, man. But COVID completely just made them mail it in, like. Ever since COVID. I mean, I feel like since I came, I feel like this is like, since I came back in 2014, I feel like they never really went all out for the pay-per-view. I feel like that's something that died out. Like when they went to, it seems like when they went to the network, they dropped the budget on the pay-per-view sets. Yeah, that's true. Which makes sense because I guess they weren't, you know, getting, they were only getting 10 bucks a month instead of the 50 or whatever it was. Yeah. All right. Zach Hertzer says, favorite Halloween candy? Reese's peanut butter cup. 
I got to go mini airheads, man. Ooh. I love getting some of the, the little miniature airheads. That's good, too. John Swallow, fellow Pod Foundation member, says, Coming down the aisle, we'll re- be releasing their list of top 10 Halloween matches. What are your top three Halloween Havoc matches? Uh, I'll name... We, we can alternate, man. I'll go first. I'll say the previously mentioned Vader and Cactus Jack. <laughs> I mean, I'm going Eddie and Rey Mysterio. Just, I, I, Dude, I don't even think you need anything other than those two uh, to me. like Those two are just so perfect. Yeah, they're the real standouts, man. Pretty much, you know, the ones we mentioned tonight were, were the standouts. The ones we mentioned in a positive light, the standouts. Yeah. Uh, Zach Hertz also was asked, worst Halloween candy. I mean, I know candy corn's almost become like a cliche as much as everybody hates it now. So I'll take that one out. Um, I'll go with Sixlets. You remember those things? Like they're yeah. like the little like kind of like an M&M type deal. I'm not going to lie to you. The thing that pissed me off more than anything when I got them is Smarties. Like, dude, and people would just like throw those into your bag. It's like, I don't need a hundred rolls of Smarties. That That's what you ate when it was like middle of June and you still had Halloween candy sitting in your dresser drawer. Yeah, I've never been excited to get Smarties, dude. Like, I don't even know why they're even a thing. They just, they're like one step above medicine, dude. They're just like chalky and like just super sweet. Like, yeah, we, we rather... probably just really offended somebody by saying that. <laughs> I always like the white ones, man. For some reason, I, there'd be sometimes where I'd open up a pack of Smarties and I would only eat the white ones. I think they were like just pure sugar flavor. There wasn't any like kind of like fruit flavor added to them or whatever. Um, no additives. But yeah, not a huge fan of the Smarties either. When someone mentions how Zach says, when someone mentions Halloween Havoc, what match or wrestler do you think of? I think Cactus Jack's the first one that pops in my mind. Just, you know, he was involved in the Chamber of Horrors match and then that, you know, the Halloween Havoc 93 match we go on and on about. So I think the first wrestler pops into mind for me is Mick Foley as Cactus Jack. I'm going to say Sting just because Sting always kind of looked like he was ready for Halloween anyway with the face paint and everything. And he's on so many of these. I mean, he's on almost every one of them. So uh, Sting for me. All right, Ryan Ferguson says, who would you want to see 2K cover in showcase mode next year? I don't even know who they've covered so far. This is a question for you. Uh, so they was going to be Hogan one year right before he got in trouble, but they still had all the characters in there. So you know, you know what showcase mode is, right? Yeah. Where you basically play through somebody's career. They did Austin. They've done Cena. I mean... As a fan, I, it would be awesome to play through Brett's career. Like, you know, starting with the tag team stuff, going all the way through the the screw job would be cool. Um, so that would be my personal answer. Commercially, I think Brock, man. Like, you know, we possibly, I don't know if it was straight up his last match, but it felt like that was possibly his last match ever when he went up against Cody at SummerSlam. I think there'd be a lot of me on the bones to do a Brock one because you could cover his ruthless aggression run and his, uh, his run nowadays. So I, I, I think Brock would be a cool one. Yeah, that'd be cool. The lovely pod wife, uh, Ari, says, favorite costume you've ever worn? Man, that's tough. I went as the Kanye West college dropout bear one Halloween. That was a pretty big hit. So and that was pretty, uh, it wasn't like a super pain in the ass costume either. I think probably um, we went with a group of friends as like uh, basically like um murderous clowns one year that was probably one of my favorites i did captain <laughs> i did captain spaulding that was pretty damn good um i did uh bruno um sasha baron cohen's character in the yellow um leader hose in one year that was uh definitely an eye-opener so i'll nice. go with those all right tony b says with spin the wheel make the deal having to come back with nxt would you want to see any other havoc style gimmick matches make a comeback and if so which one 
bro, let's do Chamber of Horrors. Hell yes. Run it back, man. Hell yes. Run it back with the updated production values. I am all for it. I would be fine, too, if, like, they did... I, I know they brought back the Thunderdome during Thunderdome. I know. But I would be cool if they... I think it'd be cool if they did, like, even a better Thunderdome. I think that would be awesome. I know. talking about, like, the Thunderdome cage match? Yeah, I just think that would yeah, be... Yeah. Oh, that would be cool if they actually, like, made something of it. Like, make it meaningful, not just thrown together at the last minute. Because it seems like that's what those always are. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool match. All right, Jamie Willis, definitely check out Three Points of Articulation podcast. They got a really cool show. It says, if money wasn't a factor and you could wear any outfit from any wrestler from any time, which would you choose and why? So I'm assuming he means like for a, a Halloween costume. What what wrestler outfit would you take? I mean, it, it ain't even really, it's not going to be an expensive money one, but dude, if I had the physique to be warrior from Ulta, or from uh, WrestleMania 6, that's what, what I would be. <laughs> I'm not doing that though. Walk around in your orange underwear. Hell yeah. I think I'm gonna go Sean um for WrestleMania twelve and I'm gonna have me like some sort of, I'm gonna get with a mechanical engineer and have like a portable zip line thing with me. Like have like a, a little pole I can prop up in the ground and climb up about twenty five feet high and just zip line down while while Sheen is dressed up as Vince McMahon, just basically freaking jizzing over the entrance. <laughs> oh my god, look at Sean Michaels. Oh my god. It just the the thought of that is really uh not good. <laughs> good God says. <laughs> All right, last question. Johnny JB says, not a question, but how awesome would it be if WWE or AEW had a show where the ring was surrounded by a pool or at a beach? Yeah, again, another nod to some of the cool innovative stuff WCW did. They'd have their spring break, spring break episodes from Club La Vila down in Panama, and they actually did a bash at the beach on the beach one year, which if you listen to Hulk Hogan, he claims there were 100,000 people there for the show. Oh, my God. Because um, it was free attendance, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd totally be all about it, man. I'm, I love um, wrestling in like unorthodox venues, man. Like think back to uh, like the early episodes of Shotgun Saturday Night where they'd have them in like nightclubs and stuff, man. Some of the stuff that we've seen Impact Wrestling do over the years. So I'd love to see them get a little bit more experimental and just change up the look, man. Like Jordan talked about, dude, it just makes it fun when when stuff looks a little bit different. Um, it, it's not the same like homogenized view every single weekend and week out. Bro, can like, dude, there's an easy one here. Like, do a WC or a NXT pay per view at Daytona Bike Week and bring back Hog Wild. Like, come on, man, just make it happen. That was so cool with all the bikes surrounding the ring and stuff. Like, dude, bring it back. All right, and that is a wrap for the Halloween Havoc retrospective, man. Uh, thank you guys again for all the support. Like I said, these will be coming your way at a little bit more routine basis. Uh, you know, we appreciate the support for all things Chick Foley and uh, the Goal Line Pod, being Jordan's little side hustle. Um, yeah, man, Jordan, hit us with some uh, some closing thoughts before we get out of here. Yeah, thanks for uh, still supporting us. I know it's we've uh, had a long lull in here, but we're going to get it back together. Uh, probably do another Christmas special again this year. So um, if you've got any ideas for us on that, shoot them our way and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take it into consideration. But yeah, man, thanks for listening and have a good Halloween. 